going on our series of Through the Noise, which is a look at the, the letter of First Peter. And these are very powerful verses to look at. In fact, Angela was just teasing me just a moment ago, and I'll get to that point in a moment. Because um, she knows what's coming. We talked a little bit last night about what, what I was speaking on, all those in. Um, so she reminded me of it as I made a comment a while ago. So anyway, um, just jab me a little bit about, hey, remember what you're preaching? Oh, okay. <laughs> it was just a continuation of Peter's previous instructions. And in order to understand it, here's just a little refresher of what Peter has already written. Now, I'm not going to read it, but I'm just giving you some overview. Peter has taken the opportunity to this point to instruct the followers of Jesus and how to live with respect to authority. And he doesn't limit it to just governmental authority. It really is more than that. It's, it's every place where there's authority that, that is over, that living in respect to them and, and respecting authority. He, he goes on and continues that thought with, with how do we, we operate in a world where there are slaves and masters, and, and how should slaves that are followers of Jesus interact when they might be mis- being mistreated by a master that isn't a follower of Jesus. And then he goes on and talks about how wives should live with their husbands, especially a husband who is not a follower of Jesus, and how husbands should treat wives. And the instructions that he gives and he wrote for that time were not normal. And in some ways, they're still countercultural today. Many of the instructions had to do with how should we treat people who are not followers of Jesus and how is it right for followers of Jesus to, to submit to those around them just as Jesus had submitted to those around him. Jesus talked about serving others and loving others and now Peter is expanding that idea. And laying out for us what it would look like in the middle of the first century for followers of Jesus to live that out. When a person became a follower of Jesus in the first century, everything of their lives changed. There was this realization that everything that they did, their first thoughts of of what was going on in their lives, their first priority was to honor Jesus with their life and to live the ethics of and love of Christ. He, he was their example, and Jesus is still our example. So Peter continues to write to the people of the provinces of Asia these instructions. He had zeroed in on specific groups earlier, and now he gives instructions to every follower of Jesus. The instructions are telling followers of Jesus how to live in a hostile world. So the concept of the series title, Through the Noise, is how do we live the love of Christ, the ethics of Christ, in a world that's clamoring with a different message. So we're going to read five verses, 1 Peter 3, 8 through 12. And we're going to look at, look at those specific instructions, and these verses are basically a series in themselves. We're going to take a look at them in the time we have together, and we're not going to cover it perfectly. We're not going to get through all that we could get through. In fact, I challenge you, there are parts of this that you ought to memorize these verses. 
And if you live those, if you, if you try and live, the, let's just try and live verses 8 and 9 for the next 30 days. And we'll be different people. Our world will be a different place. So let's read them and we'll get to it. 1 Peter 3.8 Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted. Keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And He will grant you His blessing. For the Scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. Finally, that's the word that this passage starts with. Verse 8 starts with the word finally. It's not the final instructions, but rather the, the last of the instructions dealing with submission. He goes on and says all of us should be of one mind. You know, the church has one mission. We might have different skills. We might have different callings. We might have different offices. We may have different positions that all of us operate in for the cause of Christ. But we've got to work together for that one mission. The people Peter was writing to were from all kinds of different backgrounds. They were from different cultures. They spoke different languages. They had backgrounds. You name it, they were all from different situations. But Peter believed that they would be able to get to the place where they had the same mind, the same mission, striving to accomplish the mission of Jesus as their first priority. The church working together on the mission of Jesus is a powerful testimony of the power of Jesus in a person's life. By nature, now I'm going to speak for myself, but I have a feeling I'm right for all of us. By nature, we're, we're selfish people. <laughs> Sorry. I know I am. You can get to the place where you can work on that, but there's always that part of rising up selfishness. And you know, the truth is, we can't do the mission of Jesus. We can't accomplish the mission of Jesus if we remain selfish. The only way to accomplish the mission of Jesus is to submit our wills, our minds, to live our lives for Jesus. And then we got a chance to fulfill the mission. Look, this is about submission. Submission to the mission of Jesus. That's how we can have the same mind. Look, i got to tell you, it's not about the mission of the pastor. It's not about the mission of our personal world. It's not about the mission of anything else. It's about the mission of Jesus. Now, let's be honest. The mission of the pastor ought to submit itself to the mission of Jesus. It ought to line up with the mission of Jesus. Our personal mission ought to line up with the mission of Jesus. It, it, all of us ought to be lining up to the mission of Jesus. If there's any question what the mission of Jesus is, we're going to consider quickly Matthew 28. 
Verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Or, you also look at Acts 1. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone is the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Look, when we look at that mission, it ought to be our first priority. That's how we can have one mind, one heart, is no that the one thing that Jesus gave us to do was that. Look, we got to be ready. We need to be ready. Because this same Jesus that talks about in Acts chapter 1, he's going to come back. Here's the point, though. We don't need to worry about dates and times. Oh, we need to be ready, period. Don't spend all your time worrying about dates and times. Worry about accomplishing the mission of Jesus. Look, you're going to be ready if you do that. Look, you can spend a lot of time trying to figure out all that stuff. And Jesus himself said, Don't worry about the dates and times. Only the Father knows them. Worry about the mission that I'm giving you to to fulfill. Do it. Align yourself with that mission. Look, it doesn't mean that we're all going to be the same. Just because we have the same mind, the same mission, doesn't mean we're going to be the same. We need to recognize that we have differences. And we need to realize that God wants to use every one of those differences for His purposes. As we continue with verse 8, Peter's instructions to the believers was this. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Sympathize means be willing to share in others' needs. Be responsive to their feelings. Have sensitivity and compassion toward others. To put into practice, that means we need to care and try and meet the needs of fellow believers. When we're aware of a need, we should be attempting to meet that need. All while understanding that to do so is pointing people to Jesus. Look, it's not uncommon for me to be aware of needs and situations. Whether it be people that attend one of our churches or not. Our deal is we've got to figure out how to meet some of those things. What do you do when you become aware that somebody might be homeless with children what do you do you can't turn a blind eye and you can't close your ears off and not listen you got to try and figure out what could we do to do something because that's what god's called us to do to care for one another somebody within the body of believers we got to do something about it that that means we got to be tender-hearted and compassionate. How do, how do people decide they're going to spend a, a week of their lives giving up vacation to go minister to children who are in the foster care system? Because there's tender-heartedness and compassion. There's a, the, the, there's, a, there's a realization, there's a need, and it must be met. That's what God is calling us to do, to figure out and to see, to listen, to hear, and to do something about it. Now, this, these couple, this verse right here, verse 8, really kind of pushes us just within the body of believers, but that's not completely true. Again, remember, this whole context is how do we treat people, how do we respond to people who are not followers of Jesus, and every one of us have the responsibility to 
have that kind of heart, not only to people within our own churches, but within our community, to sympathize with people, to love people as brothers and sisters. Look, loving people as brothers and sisters, for the most part, is easier to do. I realize there's some situations where people, you know, don't have the greatest relationships. But you know what? Most of the time, when it comes to brothers and sisters, we'll do anything for them. We'll try and help them out. We'll try and provide things for them. If they're going through difficulty, we're going to try and meet that need. It's not even hard. to. It's something we're going to do. Well, the instructions for us is to love people as brothers and sisters. This is the word that you see in, in, in a little city on the east side of Pennsylvania called Philadelphia. The city of brotherly love. But a lot of times, there's not a lot of brotherly love there. Let's be honest. I'm driving through there as a... As as a teenager, and when you hear gunshot, this is how dumb I was. You know, you're gunshot. I'm like, roll up the windows. <laughs> like, what's that gonna do? <laughs> I mean, that's not real smart. But when you look at that, that's what God wants for us. The words there are treat each other and love each other as brothers and sisters. That ought to be. A definitive quality, a defining characteristic of the body of Christ. We ought to be people known for brotherly love. We ought to be known as tender-hearted people and humble people. (laughs) That's the one. It's like, hey, way to go. Way to tell people to clap for you, and you're going to talk about humility. Good job. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, you got me. Good. Okay. Tender-hearted is being compassionate. Being compassionate means being conscious of other people's needs. But it also includes a drive to alleviate that need in some way. Humility. It doesn't negate one's own worth or abilities. It doesn't inflate them either. Instead, the humble follower of Jesus can honestly view their gifts, abilities, characteristics, everything with thankfulness to God. Because look, every one of our skills, abilities, talents, everything is a gift from God. Our responsibility is to use those skills, talents, abilities, all those things for His glory and for His honor with a complete recognition that they're nothing without Him. And that's where we've got to be. It's the ability to recognize God has given us everything we have. And we shouldn't think of ourselves more important than we are. But recognize we're not less than we are either. Humility is a tough place to be because it really is a middle road. It's not to be beaten down and walked on. It's to be walking in a recognition that everything you have is a gift from God and you have to use it. Has to be in some way recognized by people around you or otherwise you're not using it. I know some of us like to work behind the scenes or whatever. I get it. But somewhere, somehow, somebody has to know what you're doing. Because otherwise, or be a result of what you're doing, or you're not using your gift. So verse 8 again is primarily instructions for how followers of Jesus should treat each other, but it also goes into community. And verse 9 goes right back to how followers of Jesus should treat everyone, including those who are not followers of Jesus. Now, as we read these verses, I want you to understand, when you read verse 9, Peter in no way expects this to be true of followers of Jesus. Like they shouldn't be doing these things. Okay, now we'll get there. Verse 9 says, don't repay evil for evil. 
Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. Now, I don't expect the followers of Jesus are going to inflict evil on other followers of Jesus. I don't expect that followers of Jesus are going to insult one another. If that is happening, there's some sanctification issues. There's some things that need to be changed. There, there's, some, there's some characteristics in our lives that have to be different. If that's happening, as a follower of Jesus, it should not be so. Okay? But that's not who, I mean, he is saying, like, even if it happens within the church, even if it happens, if somebody says something that's evil, look, as follower of Jesus, our responsibility is don't repay. It's that simple. Our responsibility is don't retaliate. Our responsibility is is to do the right thing. Now, the expectation is, is this will happen from the people outside of the followers of Jesus. This is going to happen outside the church. It should happen. (laughs) There's no question. If we're having interaction with people who are far from God, there ought to be difficulty. We shouldn't expect anything less. We should expect that to come. That's exactly what Peter is writing for. He's writing this to followers of Jesus to understand when this happens. Here's what you need to do. Our culture is all about getting even in some ways. You've probably heard the idea, don't get mad. (laughs) Get glad would be much better. Get even is what I was thinking. (laughs) If you haven't heard that, there are people that live it. And there's a part of all of us that goes there. Look, I can give you a quick example. Look, and it's easy. Okay, it's an easy example. Because there's road construction everywhere in the city. Okay, you can't get anywhere. All right? I mean, don't go there. You know, the funny part about it is the other day I was trying, yesterday I was trying to go with the semi driver to move a, a, a um, semi. And he doesn't want to drive down through on the interstate, so he drives 29th Street. We're going to make a right turn on California. Make the right turn on California from 29th headed to 45th. <laughs> yeah, so let's go through the park, the uh, shopping center to go back to Adams to go back. Out. So anyway, it's much more difficult than the semi. Just I'm just saying. But here's the deal. I'm not talking about construction because you know there's only two seasons in Kansas. There's winter and road construction. The only two seasons. The only time there's not road construction is in the winter, because they can't. <laughs> so, so okay, so anyway, you have to understand, when you're driving on the road, and you see that this is narrowing down to one lane, right? And you're compliant, you pull in there, you're going down the one lane, and these people are just flying past you. And it happens on the interstate, it happens in town. And what do you want to do, right? Right, you're going, oh no, I let you in, no, uh-uh, get back there. Right? You're, yeah. Is there not part of that in all of us? <laughs> we all ought to admit it, hadn't we? I mean, let's be honest. 
Okay. See, you're looking at this. And the scriptures are saying, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate when insults. Okay. This is so practical, but yet so difficult to live. And I point out the thing about driving because it's so minor in the full scheme of things. Honestly, it means we're going to sit through an extra stoplight, which drives me nuts, by the way. <laughs> Let's be serious. But when you look at that, Peter is saying, don't do that. Look, nowhere in the Bible are we authorized to only treat people well who are nice to us. Peter says, we are not justified in repaying evil with evil. We are not to insult people when they insult us. In fact, we're told to do the exact opposite of that. God has told us to bless those who harm us. And in return, He will bless us. Jesus covered it in His Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, verse 43. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For He gives His sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that, but you are to be perfect, even as your Father in Heaven is perfect. Jesus said it. Here's the place where God promises to bless us if we do what we're supposed to do. Even though it's difficult and unnatural to treat people well who mistreat us. But here's the problem. We don't get a blessing for only abstaining from doing wrong. We actually get the blessing for doing right. If people do evil, it says don't repay evil for evil. It says, if they insult you, don't insult them back. But it says, instead, pay them back with a blessing. Let, let me point you to another one that just kind of points out our character as followers of Jesus. How hard is it for you to tip someone who gives you poor service. They don't deserve it, do they? That's what we say. They gave us bad service. We deserve better than that. They only deserve the tip. And, and I'm not here to talk about tips and waiters and all that. But what I'm saying is it goes so far against our nature and our character that when we are mistreated, we do not want to provide a blessing. 
That is what we do. That is what, notice, we do. (laughs) I'm not telling you something that I'm like amazingly good at. What I'm saying to you is we all struggle there. And, and you may not struggle there. And, and I'm not saying right or wrong, whatever. I get it. I understand the whole thing about that. But I'm just saying to you, the Scripture is teaching us to bless those who do not deserve it. And if there's any question about it, it goes on further in verses 10 through 12, which Peter is quoting from, from Psalm chapter 34, verses 12 through 16. And it says this. For the Scripture say, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, that sounds wonderful. I want that. Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Do you want to enjoy life? Do you want to see many happy days? Keep your tongue from evil and don't lie. Don't react to what others are saying about you or do to you. In fact, when you react, it ought to be with blessing. There are people who are going to mistreat you. They're going to misunderstand things you do. Peter's command is for each of us is don't respond in a bad way. Rather, respond in a good way. There's a temptation for all of us that want to respond with evil. Peter is telling us don't do it. Bless them. Jesus taught us. Bless them. If you do what is right, the eyes of the Lord will watch over you. And his ears are open to your prayers. Husbands were told a few verses earlier that if they didn't treat their wives well, their prayers would be hindered. Now Peter is telling all of us that there's a blessing for doing what is right. You're not doing right to obtain salvation. You're doing what's right, and you're doing right because of your salvation. Because of God's willingness to forgive all of us of our sins. C.S. Lewis said this. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Every one of us had no hope. We'd never done enough good stuff. We couldn't do enough good stuff. To warrant Jesus' death for us. God sent His Son to die for every one of us that we might be forgiven. It's His free gift. But because of His free gift, then we're commanded to live life differently. The person who is not a follower of Jesus can repay evil for evil all day. The follower of Jesus cannot. Because we're called to a higher place. 
we're called to a higher standard. We are called to reflect Jesus. Our culture is not. You and I, in the midst of all the craziness of our world, are called to live in a way that honors Jesus regardless of the craziness going on around us. Well, first response of this morning is this. If you're here today and you know you struggle with being able to do the right thing, the only place to start is a relationship with Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, chances of you being able to do what we just talked about is slim and none. You need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, and you need a life that's turned over and experienced the grace and forgiveness of Jesus. That's the place to start. So this morning, if you've walked in here and you don't know Jesus and you, you don't know whether your sins are forgiven, that's the place to start. It starts with telling Jesus you trust Him and want to follow Him. Acknowledging the fact that you're a sinner. We all are. And you want Him to forgive you. That's the place to start. God is willing to forgive anything you have done. That's why He sent Jesus to die on a cross so that we might be forgiven. So this morning, if that's your situation, in just a couple minutes, we're going to have some people come to the front of our prayer team. And I'd ask you just to walk up to one of those prayer teams and tell them, do you want to start a life of following Jesus? They'll pray with you. They'll pray for you. As you commit your life to following Him. For everyone in the room who is a follower of Jesus, this is a tough message. (laughs) Controlling our tongues and our reactions when we're mistreated is tough. Every one of us probably needs help in that area. If you're saying to yourself right now, I don't get mistreated very often. Well, then I got a challenge for you. You need to be around some people who are going to mistreat you more. (laughs) And you think I'm kidding. What I'm suggesting to you is you need to spend more time around people who are far from God. You say some things about things you're doing, whether it's mission stuff or you're giving towards. You know, you're giving a tithe of your income to the church and the mission of the God. And they'll be like, what are you doing that for? And then you're giving to some royal family kids camp. And you're giving up a week of vacation. And you're going to go serve at a camp. They're going, what are you doing that for? It's because of Jesus. And so, I honestly think you probably need to find some more people that are far from Jesus to be around and pour into Because if you get around some more people know Jesus and you start to pour into them, you're probably going to get mistreated. And at that moment, that's a good thing. God really wants you to go there. The The powerful testimony of the follower of Jesus is being able to treat people well 
when we are mistreated. I'm not actually asking you to pray and ask God for more people to mistreat you. I'm asking you to pray and ask God to help you when you are mistreated. Because as followers of Jesus, it's almost a requirement to be mistreated. We're to react like Jesus reacted. And as he would still react if he was walking this planet today. You and I are supposed to reflect Christ. And we know his words were, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. We ought to have that same heart, that same thought. That ought to be our first responses in the midst of mistreatment. Is Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's a blessing in itself because you're offering forgiveness and they're not asking. And then you're blessing them. And you're going to do good to them because that's what Peter's telling followers of Jesus to do. That's what Jesus told his disciples to do. Mistreatment, bless. You need to think in those terms. I challenge you to memorize, at a minimum, verses 8 and 9. Because it'll be a challenge for us all to live that this week. It might be a challenge for the rest of the day. But I'm suggesting to all of us, if we'll live that, that's a powerful statement of what Jesus has done in all of our lives. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for the words of Peter to the churches and the provinces of Asia that are still applicable to us today in 21st century America. Lord, I pray in my own life, Lord, you would help me. Lord, that when I'm mistreated, when people insult or give some evil out, Lord, help me to respond in a way that looks like Jesus. Lord, I need your help in that. I want your help in that. Lord, I pray that every one of us in this room would be praying that kind of prayer. That we want to be a reflection of Jesus in our world today. Lord, I pray for people here this morning that have never committed their lives to you. Or, or Lord, at some point in their lives they may have, but they know they're not living anywhere near it. Lord, I'm praying this morning they make a commitment to follow you. Lord, they would surrender their lives, their hopes, their dreams, everything. They would say, Lord, I want to follow you. I want your forgiveness and I want your help as I live my life. Lord, would there be people today that respond to your heart, your love, and your grace. And Lord, I pray, Lord, whatever you want to do in these next few moments, God, you do it. Lord, we're just open here to allow you to work in us. God, we're asking that we would live this out in the days and weeks to come. We really would reflect Christ in the midst of all kinds of noise in our day. People would see you in Jesus' name.